Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, give us life. Would you please meet us here as we seek after you? Would you make yourself known by your word at your table? We pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. By show of hands, who else has an emoji that they use for the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Ruth! You do! <laughs> now I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, this is my Holy Spirit emoji. You're wa- I know you've been searching for one. You're welcome to take it on. It'll transform your texting life. Um, I just love the visual of the spirit breath, the wind, the ruach in Hebrew. Um, That's just for fun, because it's Pentecost. It's Pentecost, it's Memorial Day weekend. There's just, there's a lot to be grateful for. And I don't know, you know, the, the term Pentecost, for those of us who have you know, been immersed in church things for a while, that's probably a familiar word, and for others of us, maybe not, and that's okay. We're going to read a story today that will help us understand what it is that we are doing here when we remember a day like Pentecost. The story is from Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible around you, you can use it and listen and follow along, or you can just listen. This is the story of Pentecost as we know it today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly then from heaven came the rush like a violent wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire came down and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were devout Jews living in Jerusalem from all over, and at the sound, the crowd gathered, and they were bewildered because they each heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, aren't these who are speaking, aren't they Galileans? And so how is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, ugh, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, addressed the crowd, and he said this, Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your youth will see vision and your elders will dream dreams. 
And even upon my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I'll show signs in the heavens above and on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And then all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. And this story continues. We didn't have time for all of it this morning, but I'd love for you to continue reading it today when you get home. You know how we always try to find ourselves in the Bible? Do you do that or is it just me? And I, I don't mean like, where's Jenna? Although if you have a name like Peter or Mary or Esther or something, it's going to be easier. Or, fun fact, my husband Kenan, his name's in the Bible. Did anyone know that? I didn't until I married him, um, and he told me. But um, we, fight, we, we try to look for ourselves in Scripture, and that's just, it's, it's kind of natural for us to do that because it's human nature to, to find what we identify with and what's familiar to us, and so we, we naturally look to see how Scripture an- interacts with our lives. So we read a story like Adam and Eve in the garden, and we think, yeah, I sinned too. Like, that's me. Or we read a story of, of Saul becoming Paul, and we think, huh, do you think I should have a better conversion story? <laughs> or we see David facing Goliath, and we think, yeah, 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 I need more courage. I need more trust in God against the giants in my life. These, all these thoughts, they're not harmful. And to be honest, I love that you're ha- we're having them because it means we're reading the Bible and engaging with it, which is exactly what we should be doing. But that it also, it misses something. It misses something pretty big. And that's that the story, the Bible, it's about God. So what's God doing? Where's God acting? What does this tell me about God These are the primary questions we need to be asking when we're engaging with Scripture. And then, you know, questions about ourselves, about our morality, about our direction, all of those can be helpful, but they're just secondary. People like Augustine and Calvin, they remind us that the knowledge we have of ourselves actually only comes by the knowledge we have of God. When we engage with the character of God, that's when our character is transformed. It's not the other way around. And so, as we look at this story on this Pentecost Sunday, I wondered if we could structure our time together around two questions in the order that it makes sense to ask them. Where's God? And where are we? Where's God? And I think it's pretty obvious. I'm not, it's not a trick question. Um, God is, and we see this in the the wording in verse 17, God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. God is giving freely to all without discrimination and with abandon. That's where is God. And it's curious to me because in the midst of this incredible earth-shattering, world-altering phenomenon that's happening, Peter also looks to God points to God. He doesn't actually dwell on the phenomenon. He 
finds God forever, for our sake, for everyone's sake. He points to scripture. He points to scripture to a prophet, Joel. Joel spoke in a time of the world where God, through his spirit, wasn't freely accessible to everyone. God's spirit was there. God's spirit wasn't absent. But God's spirit spoke to specific people for specific times, for specific purposes. And now Peter says, all of this is God. Like, this is what the prophet was talking about. So Joel's words, written hundreds of years prior, they begin with the phrase, did you hear this, in the last days. I might normally hear that and think like, oh, the end times. What Joel actually intended, this was a general term for the time to come in which God's promises would be fulfilled. So the last days arriving means Finally, salvation has come. Finally, God's making good on his promises. Finally, free life is available to all. Now, later, also in the same text, Joel says at the end, he he references the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. That's closer to what we might think of when we think of the end times or Jesus coming back. So Peter's point being, God has now brought his people into this middle period between the last days and the day of the Lord, where God is freely giving himself to all. The fire of his presence that used to just be on the, on the lampstands, on the candles, in the tabernacle or in the temple, they've now been distributed to being on and in God's people, on everybody. And, and that's for us too. Like We're like little mobile walking candles, you know, candles of grace, candles of God's presence, giving grace to everyone we come in in, in, in encounter. It's like the, the way Jesus talks about being the light of the world, like this is what I'm picturing. All this to say God's giving himself to you. Now I think some of this conversation around the the topic of the spirit and what is it, you know, what what is life with the spirit? Some of that conversation is really helpful to have one-on-one. And I love, one of you this past week asked me, what does it mean to be led by the spirit? And I could jump for joy when I get to have those conversations. I love it. And so if that's something that is, comes up in you through this, through this Sunday, and it's something you want to talk further about, please let me know. I'd love to. But I will say this today. If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit. Like, the Spirit is living in you. You might not always live like that's true or remember that that's true, but it is. And then if you're actively listening to the God in you, then you might notice a more active voice that you're engaging with. Some, some of us might call it a conscience. But it could look like, you know, you, you, you experience something that makes your blood pressure rise. And I don't know if that's on Facebook. I don't know if it's out and about. I don't know how, if it's in your family. But the spirit in you might prompt you to breathe before you respond or react. You might 
feel a sudden desire to pray for something or someone. That's the Spirit in you, too. So the Spirit's in you. It, and if you're a Christian, you have access to the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. And that's a little more akin to what we read about on this particular Pentecost day. When we pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even more dynamic and surprising things can happen. There's a oneness with the triune God that can occur, experiencing that love and the peace and the joy of God's Spirit in us. There's a changing of disposition to the world, maybe being able to interact with, with others in a more gracious way than what I might be inclined to, or, or sometimes even knowing certain things about people's lives that we shouldn't have known. There's an equipping to live in the world missionally in ways we didn't know we could or maybe even wanted to. The, uh, they're speaking in different languages. Like, all of this is the Spirit, too. And this wasn't always the case for God's people, this access to God in this way. But it is now. In the giving of the gift of the Spirit through Jesus, there's absolutely nothing you can do that will keep God from you. There's nothing going on in your life or in the world that God isn't actively a part of. You and the world and all things are being made new. So where's God? He's outpouring himself on his people, on all people, freely, without discrimination, and with abandon. So where are we? And I'll add a supplementary question to that. Where are we going? Where are we and where are we going? There are a few angles that we could take here, but I personally was caught up with the verbs, the reactionary verbs, that the people had in response to seeing God act in this new and surprising way on Pentecost. So Pentecost was already a big day in the lives of Jewish people. We just kind of co-opted it when the Spirit decided to come on down that same day. But Pentecost, or yeah, Pentecost was already recognized um, by Jewish people. And Jerusalem, in Jerusalem where they were, this was the, the religious hub. This is where everything was happening. So there are so many people there. The city was filled with people from all over. These people now suddenly find themselves bewildered, amazed, astonished, perplexed, and some we even hear are, we're told of reactions of utter disdain. So that's where I want to start. Maybe you find yourself in a conversation like this around the Holy Spirit in, in some spectrum of those reactions from unsure to excitement to dismissal. Nah, it can't be. It's not. And I, you know, while I hope that what you, that you take what I have to say today seriously and with weight, I also hope you judge what I say. And I mean judge in the same way we exist and survive by judging, by using good judgment, not by being judgmental. Um, so, like, a, a, a healthy kind of skepticism, I think, is important for us to live. We're, and we're told elsewhere in Scripture to test the, spirits by the, test the Spirit by the Spirit. 
Um, so we, and we need to bring what we encounter particularly up against the word of God. So there were some who watched and accused on that Pentecost morning who didn't what I would, didn't have what I would consider to be a healthy judgment. They were cynical. I would describe cynical as being skeptical without the curiosity. So, you know, I read this passage and I wonder, like, were you even watching? (laughs) Were you even trying to listen? Trying to understand? Track with me here. This all brought me, brought to mind in me a time when I was in college. I was studying in the Chicagoland area at this beautiful, wonderful little school called Trinity that I love. And it's got great proximity to the city of Chicago. My family decided to take advantage of that with me, and we planned a day trip into the city. It was a spring morning. It was beautiful. It was like a little brisk, like a little chilly, but fresh and sunny. Like it was just the the perfect spring day. But it was not, as we would find out, the perfect spring date. So I don't know if you can tell what's going on here, but we chose, like, it just speaks to our utter lack of cultural awareness that we didn't even register that it was St. Patrick's Day. Like, we did get to see this, the water turn, the river turn green. That was really quite cool and impressive. Um, But it was just madness. It was just utter, it was madhouse. Um, Now, there's one more picture I want to show. So this is in 2012. This is me and my brothers. Just look at us. I'm trying to blend in. I just got a gray t-shirt on. Luke's wearing Hebrew. Shane is wearing the Faith and International Development Conference. Like, this is not our scene, St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. So we, in order to, like, make the most of it, we developed, very cleverly developed, a game for ourselves to play while we were on about. We called it Drunk or Not Drunk. We would simply... (laughs) watch, listen, and guess at the (laughs) levels of inebriation of the people that we encountered. All that to say, like I said, you have to hang with me, all that to say, I know from personal experience, if you're watching, if you're curious, it is not all that hard to make a pretty educated judgment. If you don't care enough to wonder, to look, to listen, you'll slap a label on it, because that's honestly easier. It's easier to not engage. I'm guessing that a lot of us probably have seen ways that Christians have been clumsy, careless, even egotistical about this Holy Spirit that we remember has been given to us on this Pentecost. And, and that's real, and it, it can be harmful And it also doesn't mean that the curiosity that you have about the movements and the mystery of the Spirit in your heart and in the world have to be dismissed entirely. It also doesn't mean that you couldn't be open to a true and beautiful kind of life in the Spirit in the future or now. Now, there's also a chance 
And I'll recognize this too, that some of us, upon hearing the story, we are caught up in wonder and amazement and hope, like others in this story. And my deepest desire is that we would all get to that place. Because this story is intrinsically so hopeful. It's a hope that rests on God's promises of what he's doing in the world. It's, this story means that God's on the move, and it's not just about us. The story means that it's impossible to separate yourself from God because he's in you. The story means that God will use you to touch and to impact the world in love because that's who he is. And so if he's in you, you kind of have to live that way. Like, that's the way. So we locate ourselves in the story because I think it's helpful to know where we are in order to know where we're going. When we ask the question, where are we, where are you, it's kind of an, it's more of an individual question um, for you to answer. When we ask the question, where are we going, I think we could enter into that a little more communally or togetherly. Um, And I know one version of that answer that I hope we can do together, and and that's just get in on it and participate in the life of the Spirit and receive the gift of the Spirit. I was really quite convicted um, by something I read from N.T. Wright this week. He's a, a British theologian. This is what he says. Again and again in the work of the church, to this day, there are always plenty who declare that we're wasting our time and talking incomprehensible nonsense. And equally, some Christians have been so concerned to keep up safe appearances and to make sure that they're looking quite ordinary, like normal people, that they would never, under any circumstances, have been accused of being drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning or any other time. (laughs) Part of the challenge of this passage is the question, have our churches today got enough energy, enough spirit-driven new life to make onlookers pass any comment at all? Has anything happened in which might make people think we were drunk? If not, is it because the Spirit is simply at work in other ways, or because we've so successfully quenched the Spirit that there's actually nothing happening at all? Wow. The Spirit in us today is what calls, convicts, and equips us to be unapologetic for Christ in the world. The Spirit in us calls, convicts, and enables us, as we hear from Leslie Newbegin, every single week to be men and women who go out into every sector of public life to claim it for Christ. The Spirit in us today is what calls, convicts, and enables us to carry peace and hope and love into a world that promotes and pushes an agenda of violence and fear and distrust and hatred. So live life by the Spirit because God poured out his spirit upon all flesh and that's on you and that's on us and it's for us to respond to so that we and everyone else in the world have access to call in the name of the Lord and be saved. And that's not being saved for some day, somewhere in the future after we die. It's like saved for life here and now too. Saved to live full life and beautiful life, life in the spirit, life that's full of the gifts of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit, life that's lived hand in hand with Jesus. I'll close with this. This week, I listened to a fascinating interview. It was a podcast. Um, The interviewer was, was talking to Rain Wilson, the actor. A lot of us might 
better know him as Dwight from The Office. And Rain isn't a Christian. He actually is a part of a different faith. And I think we need to listen to him. This is what he said. I did shorten it slightly because it was from a longer section of the interview. Be unapologetic about your faith because Jesus Christ, his mission, his ministry are something to be so proud of and to emulate. And all of it comes down to love. It comes down to radical, radical compassion and love. So set aside all the intellectual bickering and the back and forth and the politics and the up and down and harness that power of love that Jesus had, that the apostles had, that the great saints had. Let your heart burn in loving kindness for everyone who crosses your path. That's something we can all do is just maximize our heart organ, our heart laser beam, and just spread it unapologetically. I love Jesus. I love people. I want to serve them. I'm going to open my heart and make it huge, and I'm going to heal, and I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to create bonds of love and community. I think he's talking about life in the Spirit. Is there a reason that Dwight from the office gets it better than we do? (laughs) In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.